beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was empty, formless. Darkness was everywhere. And into the darkness, God spoke. Let there be light. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. By Him all things were made. In Him was life. And that life is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness did not understand. It's Christmas Advent. We begin the journey to Christmas. Today, we celebrate Jesus now by considering that Jesus came as the hope for a world that desperately needed hope. I'll dismiss the children now, the little ones up through grade four, for some wonderful adults who will love to teach them about this Jesus. While I invite you to open your copy of God's Word, please, into the Old Testament, to the words that Bruce and Linda read for us a few moments ago, Isaiah chapter 9, please. Isaiah chapter 9. And, and verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah wrote those words about 2,700 years ago, 700 years before the stable in Bethlehem. It was a dark time. He was looking forward in history, having received a word from God that there would be a better time. He was looking forward to a time where the people living in darkness had received this light that I just quoted from Genesis 1 and John 1. It was dark because, you see, in those days, only a few years before, the nation of Israel, particularly the northern kingdom, had lived for almost 200 years in open rebellion against God. And God had sent His prophets, Come back to me, I love you. Don't turn away from me to idolatry. Come back. They had rejected the prophets, killing some of them. And so God said, I must remove my hand of blessing. I must remove my hand of protection. I will not protect you in your sin. And the most powerful army in that day, the king of Assyria, came into the northern kingdom of Israel and town and village after town and village was burned to the ground. Hundreds of people, thousands of people taken into slavery and captivity. And finally, Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom, destroyed. It was a very dark time. Many thought a hopeless time. And into that is when Isaiah said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Would you look at the verse just preceding that, the first verse? There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he, God, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor the Galilee of the Gentiles. He was speaking about that northern part of Israel that was devastated, saying to that place, hope will come again. Do you see what I wrote for you in the front of your worship folder? Celebrate Jesus now. Jesus is the hope of the world. In our world where the personal darkness of poverty and disease and broken families, war, devastating addictions, moral decay, and much more breed hopelessness, there is a bright light of hope. Christmas. Amen? God loves. God came. But here's the question. Has he penetrated and dispelled the darkness in your life? This morning, I'd like us in just a few moments to consider three aspects of this. Jesus, the hope of the world. First, that Jesus is light in the darkness of our world. Then Jesus is the ultimate king of kings in our world. And then thirdly, Jesus it radiates the glory of God in our world and is ready to change your life and mine. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Darkness. I wonder if you would agree that there is no darkness darker than what I would call the darkness of the soul. May I suggest the soul is that meeting point where your mind, your thinking, your logic, your intellect meets your heart your emotions, your attitudes, your feelings, and combines with your will, your reason, your decision-making power, your action on your decisions, those three things together. Have you ever been in a place, my friends, where the darkness of the mind was almost consuming? Your mind was overwhelmed with fear. You'd lost your job. The doctor had given you a report that just frightened the daylights out of you. Your marriage was falling apart. You couldn't think of anything except darkness as the world seemed to close in around you. Or maybe darkness of the heart. The people who should have loved you didn't. You just wanted to crawl under your bed and hide for the rest of your life. Or the darkness of your, your will. It seems as though no matter how you try, you keep making the wrong choices over and over, and it hurts you and the people that you love. Darkness of the soul. Ever been there? You know anybody right now who's there? Into that darkness, Jesus said when he came here, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will no longer live or even walk in that consuming darkness, huh? When Jesus was having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus who had come to him in the darkness of night, confused, he spoke to him about new life, being born again. He also said to him, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish will not spend eternity in the darkness, but will have eternal life, life in Christ. And then he said, but, but this is the verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but, but it appears that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Does that kind of look like our world today? They don't cancel NFL games very often unless there is some great tragedy, like the collapse of the New Orleans Superdome, for instance, when Katrina came. But I heard on the news yesterday that they were giving serious consideration to canceling today an NFL game because darkness yesterday struck. A professional football player, a well-known name, went to visit his girlfriend and their three-year-old baby. Her mother was visiting, and he shot and killed the woman in front of her mother and the baby. Then drove to the stadium where he was going to play today, met with leaders of the team, thanking them for their influence in his life, and shot and killed himself right in front of them. It was on the news yesterday. And the NFL is considering canceling a professional football game because darkness has struck the NFL. Day before yesterday, I was handed this newspaper. It's our newspaper. This section is titled Badger Community Education. The headline says, Do you feel as if something isn't quite right? then maybe it's related to your past lives. So you are welcome to come to seminars that it says based on reincarnation and karma, the spiritual belief of the immortality of the soul living in various bodies through time to gain experience and balance. Page 2. Meditation classes with a Buddhist monk. Mindfulness practice for everyday life not for beginners. Four pages of advertisements for Walworth County to come and be a part of, may I call it darkness? Darkness. So the question, so what is the verdict for me, for you? What is the verdict as it relates to your darkness, the darkness of the world that you live in, and the light of Jesus Christ that he would like to shine into your darkness? Who is Jesus Christ? And could I ask that third question? How much darkness do I tolerate in me? Uh, listen to the voice of a young woman who calls out of the darkness to you and to me, asking us, do we care? Candy? When's it going to happen? When are you going to tell me? When are you going to show me? Are you really just going to keep it to yourself? I mean, sure, we hang out with a completely different crowd and, and listen to different music, but is that really all it takes? What are you scared of? I'm not talking about how you've done it before by judging me. Do you really think judging me is going to make me change? Would it make you change? 
What I need is for you to pick me up when I'm down, to, to be there, just be there, you know? There's something missing in me. Sometimes it feels like there's this hole in my heart and nothing I do ever fills it. But you found it. You have this, this thing, this person that makes you whole. Listen to me. I need you. I need you to walk out of here ready to do whatever it takes. No matter the cost, show me what unconditional love looks like. I mean, stop telling me about this God of yours and show me who he really is. You know, it may not be cool and people may talk and honestly, I'll probably argue with you and when you screw up, I'll probably call you a hypocrite. But don't give up on me. Please, don't give up on me. So let me ask you again, when's it gonna happen? Dawn and I received an email last evening from a young lady she has come to know in the last uh, several years through the aerobics program. She grew up in this town. She's now teaching English in South Korea for a year. The email said, I have been running from God for 10 years, but he found me here in South Korea. And my life has changed in the last weekend, and I wanted to tell you that. Will you help me from a distance? Take the steps that I want to take to come back again. Light came into the world in the person of Jesus to penetrate the darkness. Has he penetrated the darkness yet in your life? Has he pushed the darkness back and even out of your life? And then Bruce read, same chapter, sixth verse. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Yes, Jesus is the light in the darkness, but he's also the sovereign, the king of kings, who comes ready to be sovereign in your life and mine. You see, government is used there in those two verses twice. That's not a political statement. It's rather a leadership statement. Isaiah was, coming, was saying that when this person comes, he will provide the kind of leadership like has never been provided before. And then do you see those four couplets of two words? He will be wonderful counselor. A leader 
of the world and a leader of yourself who you can trust to counsel you when you have questions in great need. You remember that when Jesus was together with his friends in the upper room, he said to them, Now I'm going to be leaving you, but I won't leave you as orphans. The Father's going to send you another counselor like me to be with you forever, to guide you in the journey of your life. So if you've trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, that wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit of God, lives within you to counsel you, to guide you. Isn't that true? Isaiah says he will be mighty God, El Gibor. Now he was speaking to a people who understood about the mighty God. Their whole Old Testament was filled with the stories of how this God could open the Red Sea and feed a million people every day with a bread delivery that falls from heaven. <laughs> that mighty God would come and live among us? In that same upper room, Jesus said to his friends, if you don't believe the words I say, at least believe on the evidence of the miracles. That's part of why I love the song that the ladies sang, Mary, did you know... He healed lame limbs. He rose dead people to life. Is there anything he can't do? Mary said to that angel, Be it unto me as you have said. For the angel had said, There is nothing that's impossible with God. Right? So? Do you and I really believe that? Is there anything going on in your life right now that it's just it's too big for you? You, you? you can't fix it and you can't handle it. Is it too big for God? Is there any issues going on in your life that you just can't understand it? And you're facing a deadline of decision and you don't know which way to go. Is it confusing to God? See, what I'm asking you, my dear friends, and I ask myself all the time, what is my image, my picture of God? Do I squeeze him into a little box so that it's manageable for me? Or do I let God be God, far bigger than I will ever comprehend or understand? And do I hold tightly to everything that's going on in my life? He knew about it millennia ago. And wherever I find myself in my life journey, he's there. And he can lead me forward. Is that true? Yes, that's true. But will I own it? Mighty God. Everlasting Father? The truth is that you and I live at a time in America where the word Father is not a welcome word to many people, especially many adult young women. Daddy wasn't home very much when they were growing up. An absentee daddy. Daddy drank too much, and when he drank, he said things, or he did things that were wrong. An angry daddy. A daddy who abandoned the family completely and left mommy to raise the kids by herself, working two jobs. A daddy who, with his arms and his hands, sort of caressed his children, but with those arms and heads, did things that are very wrong. And the children will never forget it, even now that they're adults. But Isaiah was saying, when the light comes into the darkness, the living light, he will be an everlasting, holy, loving Heavenly Father. He will love you in your brokenness and in your pain, 
unconditionally. He will never force himself upon you, but he will invite you and draw you to himself. Huh? Is that the Jesus you know? Have you let him embrace you in your, in your pain? Have you let him love you even when you don't love yourself? Prince of Peace? From the days of Adam's family, when one brother killed another, would you agree that one of the greatest needs in our world is peace? Starting in my heart and yours. And then our marriages. And our families. And our communities. And our businesses, right? A prince of peace, and that's why Jesus said in that same upper room, the peace that I give you is unlike any peace that a human being will ever give you because I'll give it to you at the deepest place in your soul where life hurts. I'll always be with you. I'll never abandon you. And I know the world is a mess, <laughs> but take heart. I have overcome the world, he said. You can lay your head on the pillow at night no matter what the circumstances of your life knowing I am on the throne. I am sovereign over all. I know your situation and I love you and I'm ready to give you peace in the depths of it all. Huh? And then Bruce, you read at the very end of that section, the end of verse 7, the zeal of the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will accomplish this. Now, you've been listening to me for quite a little bit. Now, you talk to me for a minute. When you hear the word zeal, what does that say to you? What comes into your mind? Zeal. Anybody? Enthusiasm. Thank you, Tom. Passion. Thank you. Joy. Fervor. I'm sorry? New life. Excitement. Fire. Get up and go. <laughs> the zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. Does God get passionate? Yes. Now, here's the question. What do you suppose God gets most zealous, most passionate about? Anybody have a thought? Us. Say it all together. Us. There's nothing that gets God more excited than us, people. I, I believe he, he delights, the Bible tells us, in shaping and forming little babies inside of their mother's womb. He loves birthing them. He loves caring for them when they can't care for themselves. Us. <laughs> God is passionate about us. That's the story of the Bible, isn't it? Light came into the darkness even though it didn't have to because God is zealous about us. And what he would like to do is rescue us. Do you agree? Rescue us in the darkness from the stuff that is consuming us, from the stuff that pits us husband against wife, parents against children. He'd like to rescue us from that, not by taking us out of the world, but by us inviting him into our lives so that we're changed people as we keep living in our dark world. So a couple of more questions that, that comes to my mind. So, so who is this Jesus Christ that is this zealous about me? Who is he in your opinion? Not who he says he is. Who do you say he is? What could this zeal of the Lord accomplish in my life, in yours? 
What if you invited God with the 29 days left in this year to say, God, (laughs) go ahead, unleash it in my life. Your power to do whatever in my life you would like to do. I invite you to do it. Change me where, God, you know I need to be changed. Convict me, God, where there's stuff in me that just keeps welling up and hurts other people. God, I invite you to unleash it in my life. What do you suppose he might do? Here over the last few weeks, Pastor Chuck and I have been trying to invite you to consider who we could become as a people of God at Calvary. We've suggested that you and I could learn to be content in all situations in Jesus Christ and who he is if he's Lord of your life. You could become a person who's concerned about people who who are lost, who, who don't know Jesus. You could become a person who learns to live with careful stewardship because all that you have comes from God and you want to use it for his glory. You could become a person who's hungry to to live a personally holy life. Last week, a person with humble authenticity, and could I give you one more today? It's there in your notes. A person of global engagement. I believe we see the evidence of that here. That's why we have flags hanging in our worship center because we're a church that's globally engaged. Here's what that means. It's far more than just listening to the news occasionally to hear about what's going on around the world. It's even far more about than, than caring about what's going on in the world. Global engagement means we're getting in the game. Huh? It's why we partner with more than 45 partners full-time all around the world. It's why about 80 of you this year have gone to other places in the world and your lives have changed again this week. A businessman sat in my office telling me all that had happened in his life this last week when he spent it in one of the poorest slums in the world, in a third world country. How he'll never look at life the same again. He was there with his daughter, who's looking to adopt a child from that place. It's why yesterday, as I understand it, Tyson, correct me if I'm wrong, about 600 people gathered to package meals, dehydrated meals for children in Haiti. It's why Tyson and Jenny have been to Haiti. They've begun to lose track how many times they've been and how God's changed their lives and their family. It's why Craig Pape is passionate about India. And so much of what God is doing among us, it's an outflow of Isaiah chapter 9, don't you see? When God changes our lives. And that's why the last part, Bruce, that you read is Isaiah chapter 40. Would you turn there for just a moment with me? Just a moment. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah begins by saying, God wants you to know comfort comfort my people. Isn't that a good word? (laughs) God knows the pain of our world and he's saying, I want to bring comfort into your hearts and your minds. Verse 3, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. What a good word. Jesus is the glory of the Lord God revealed in our day. A voice of one calling in the desert. May I suggest that Isaiah was writing about you and me? Oh, yes, he was writing about about John the Baptist. We know that, the one who announced that Jesus Messiah is coming. But looking further ahead into time, he was thinking about you and me, a voice of one single person, you, in the desert, the darkness of our world, proclaiming, prepare the way. God wants to do something special here. 
Could I ask you to think about the next 29 days, all the places where you're going to be, your home, the place where you work, the place where you go to school, this place hopefully many times. But some of you are going to be traveling. Some of you are going to be encountering people in all kinds of different places. What would it look like if you were a voice of hope into our dark world? What would it look like if your ears were alert and attentive to the cries of people like the young lady that we saw? Oh, maybe it won't be as graphic as that. You might need to listen closely for you to hear that there's a marriage that's crumbling. There's a person losing hope. And God's put you right there in the middle of that conversation to be able to speak hope, to be able to smile hope, to be able to invite them to take a step of hope with you as you invite them to celebrate Jesus. God's light in their dark place. Huh? I have another video clip I want you to watch. Candy. It's a wonderful concept. In that last verse that you read, Bruce, verse 5 of chapter 40, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. The glory of God was revealed when Jesus came. But do you know how this is fleshed out today? You. The glory of God is revealed 
when you and I walk outside of the doors of this building and live life in a way that honors God. Live life like light in the darkness because the light of Jesus Christ, his truth, his person, his power has changed your life. We go out of these doors and we live empowered by the Holy Spirit of God so that everywhere we go, it's like candles. Every one of us, a light in a dark world, right? The glory of the Lord is best revealed in a changed life. You, me, bringing the hope of Jesus to the world. Do you agree with that? So I can't wait to see what God's going to do this next week <laughs> when you scatter all over wherever God leads us. Could I ask you to embrace it? Light came into the darkness in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you've trusted him to be your savior, he has come into your life and changed you. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He reigns sovereign and supreme. And if you've invited him to be lord in your life, you can trust him with your life. He came and revealed the glory of God to our world. And as he was leaving, he said, now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so you reflect the glory of God to the world. So why don't we talk to him and thank him for that?